Hello, welcome to 111 episode of Live with Lil. Although this is actually episode 11 of Live with Lil, Le podcast, but it is the watch along for Agents of Six. Oh my gosh, brilliant. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 111. I have just spent a good five minutes untangling, detangling my headphones, which uh, it it struck me as being a, a lesson for life, you know, because it was the faster I tried to do it, the tighter things the little knot got. So I had to be very gentle and take my time. So coming into this intro feeling quite philosophical potentially and also being able to hear myself, I don't know, maybe a bit too loud. I don't know if I like headphones or not. Love headphones, but I don't know fellow podcasters out there or people that speak into a microphone with headphones attached listening to themselves. It really <laughs> obviously amplifies the voice, but it just it's just it's really loud I don't know if I'll keep doing it but um it does make me feel professional I'm currently sitting on my bed cross-legged and uh, my point is I'm sort of the furthest thing away from being professional so it is a bit of a joke that wearing headphones somehow does make me feel like a professional but I guess it does hey (laughs) waffling again thank you so much for being here attempting again to do this episode this watch along I'm recording this introduction before doing the YouTube live, so fingers crossed everything is going to work okay. I have Zach doing the streaming as a backup, so he's going to be logged into my Zoom. So technically he is the DJ for tonight's live. We have had a little practice run, it was very cute, we kept sharing the screens of our Zooms. So he knows the button to press that will stream it onto the YouTube that I've already created, the little platformy pagey of the YouTube. I don't know can you tell that I don't really know the terms for the YouTube so you know keep everything crossed for us that 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 works oh my gosh lots to get through this week so I will stop the blabber and say that tonight's episode was directed by Kevin Hux written by the wonderful Palsy and Brent Fletcher both of whom who have done these YouTube lives and are absolutely amazing. Actually, Brent hasn't done a podcast live with Lil, but he has done the YouTube in season seven. So um, do go on there and check him out. Let me let you know the logline of this episode. Oh, I'll tell you what it's called. Its name is The Magical Place. Oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. organises a full-scale hunt for Coulson's. Centipede tries to resurface the memories on what happened after Coulson died. Does that make sense? Centipede tries to resurface the memories on what happened after Coulson dies. Died. I'm not sure that makes sense. S.H.I.E.L.D. organises a full-scale hunt for Coulson. That makes sense. Centipede tries to resurface the memories on what happened after Coulson died. Ah, now that does make sense. Somehow it's been a very long day. It has been dark and dreary in England with little pockets of extreme sunshine coupled with high winds. So it's been a rather extreme weather day. We've sort of had a little bit of everything, but no rainbows, at least where I am. The only thing we really care about, though, is the internet connection. So fingers crossed there is internet connection. At the time of doing this, I have none, but I feel good about the live having it 
I will do another practice run just before to make sure, but we've got some incredible guests locked and loaded and ready to go. We've got the amazing Warren Drummond who does storyboarding, who is just, I mean, he's just worked with everybody and done every movie TV show you could think of. He's brilliant, so talented, and has so many links with so many people in the show. He's worked with Clark before. He's actually worked with Kevin Hooks before, who directed this episode. He's brilliant, and I just am fascinated by storyboarding, and, and we haven't had him on before, or anyone that's done a similar thing to him, so I'm really excited to just pick his brain, because I have got to see him and hang out with him at sort of rap parties, and he's come to set a few times, but He's in such pre-pre-production that actors and storyboarders don't usually get to mix. I'm so excited to have him on. He's such a talented and brilliant man. And then we also have Matt Mullins, who we've spoken about a bunch before, about doing stunts. And he featured fairly heavily in 110 episode. He was an actor as well as doing stunts in it. And then he also pops up in this episode as an actor. He would double Brett a lot. And he's brilliant and just a stuntman extraordinaire. And I'm really excited to have him on. This episode is very stunt heavy and lots of big sequences with lots of people in it. And he is the actor in this week's too. So that's brilliant. So he's kind of wearing two hats in this one. So that's brilliant. And then we're also going to have Zachary Burt Abel on, of course, who is playing the DJ this YouTube Zoom. So I think he's probably feeling... Oh, I don't know, maybe uh, powerful could be the word. In control, we'll be sending out the Zoom link. So I think I'm going to be able to have enough signal to do that. The thing is, we're just going to see how this goes. England is still in lockdown. We just have to make do, you know. Anyway, I would love to get through some emails because we've had loads this week and I'd love to read some out. So this first one is from Jodie, who says, Hey Lil, I know you like to know what people are doing as they listen, so I'll explain mine. So true. I, please let me know what you're doing as you listen to podcasts. It is something that fascinates me. I work in archives. <gasps> wow. And my job is pretty isolating at the best of times. Oh, but especially during COVID times, I can go days without speaking to anyone as we're often assigned to one floor each for the day or one computer desk spread out across the room in our record copying department. We're all having to work during lockdown 2.0 as we are carrying out essential government, essential official government business. Oh my gosh, so fancy. And your podcast gets me through each day without feeling so lonely. Hope you enjoy the fact that your podcast is getting some airplay on government time in an official government building, because I certainly do, haha. I cannot thank you enough for all your hard work. You keep the fandom alive and it's wonderful to look back on the series and learn about everyone, everyone's involvement. So much goes into production of a show. I genuinely had no, I genuinely had no idea. So much love and lemons, Jodie. Four kisses. Thank you, Jodie. I know exactly what you mean about listening to podcasts and then making, helping you not feel lonely. Now I'm in London. Zach's still in America, and I'm living on my own in this London flat. And whilst I I'm filming and going to work and everything, you do end up spending quite a lot of time on your own. And I know exactly what you mean, especially during lockdown. And it's different because you spend all day on your own. And that's really difficult. And I don't know if this is just in my mind how it is, but archives makes me think you're filing stuff all day and maybe there aren't any windows anywhere. So that's even more isolating feeling that you can't even see people out of the window. I don't know if that's the case, but that's how I'm Hollywooding it in my uh, mind, imagination. 
So I love that this makes you feel like you have people around you. And it's always lovely too, just having headphones in and you can sort of be in your own secret world and still be quiet and respectful of everybody. Although maybe you have it on a loudspeaker because there's nobody near you. But thank you for your email, Jodie. I love that this makes you feel not so lonely and good on you. Carrying out essential official government business during COVID 2.0 uh, lockdown. Thank you so much. Thank you for your email. Then the next one I'd love to read out is from Santiago. Santiago says, hi, this is the second time I write an email to you. I love that you are doing this. I always listen to your podcast when I go to the park. I just sit there and relax listening to your amazing stories. You literally inspired me to be an actor director and I'm so grateful. And don't forget that you are the reason why the AOS fandoms keep going. Once an agent, always an agent. Oh, that was the hashtag that we had at the end of the finale of season seven, which, oh my gosh, was so emotional for the YouTube live of that. That's what Jed Whedon said at the end. And we all did a toast and cried. And I'm very excited because in the UK at the moment, and I think other places in Europe, season seven has started to air on Disney Plus. So that is really exciting. So I loved your hashtag of once an agent, always an agent. And I love that you go and listen to it when you go to the park. Getting outside is very important. Okay, I'm going to see how many I can get through that I have starred that I really want to read out. It says, hi Lil, as someone who does not use Apple products, brackets, shocking, or Spotify, don't at me. <laughs> love you, sense of humour. I have been using Google Podcasts to listen to your wonderful podcasts each week. I have no idea if or how to review them on there, but I had to let you know how awesome this is. Despite my best efforts, the long hours at the hospital and my early nights made trying to watch the YouTube lives virtually impossible, so the podcast makes the perfect alternative for me. I'm able to listen on my breaks at work and I find it perfect to briefly take myself out of the COVID chaos and have a little giggle while also learning loads of interesting BTS facts. So this is a little thank you for bringing much needed joy to many people weekly, including myself. Oh, and welcome back to England. We've missed you. Sorry about the lockdown. Stay safe. Oh, amazing. That was from Steph. Thank you, Steph. Title, a non-review review as I am technically inept. Well, you really speak to me, Steph. Thank you so much for your non-review review. And the, the lots of emails... The thing is, in England at the moment, we have gone into another lockdown. And I know that, you know, going into the winter, COVID has obviously been in the news and just everywhere this whole year. But it does feel like uh, we're kind of bracing ourselves for getting ready for the winter and what that's going to look like and how we can oh, mentally look after ourselves as well as physically. And a lot of the emails this week have mentioned COVID and have mentioned you know, stress levels are kind of going up again and that maybe this podcast can help relieve a little bit or at least give you a break from the worry and the stress and have a little giggle with us. And so I I love that. Thank you so much. Also, a few people saying that they love listening to the podcast because they can't catch the YouTube lives, which is brilliant. I'm so glad we're doing these and that Augustine had the amazing brainwave of asking if we would want to do it together. The few people in Australia and different parts of the world that is not the correct time to watch the YouTube live. So it's brilliant that uh, you guys are listening on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Couple admin things now. Just want to follow up with Tara Harrington. She's been on again. Love Tara. Thank you for your email. Tara mentioned a while ago about how these lives and talking to people and 
their craft and what they do in different departments has inspired her to reignite her love for drawing as a hobby and painting and arty things. And I read out your email, Tara, a bit ago, and you emailed again with your first drawing of what you've done as you've reignited this hobby of yours of drawing, inspired by some of the people that I have brought on this podcast in the live. So I'm going to, when this comes out on Tuesday, I'm going to Instagram your picture that you sent me. So everybody look out for that. It's a wonderful, it's very live with Lil themed. It's very Lil, basically. It's very me. I don't know why I'm suddenly talking about myself in the third person. It's a bit of a shame when you name your podcast and live your name because then it's I don't know I feel a bit disassociated from my name now but anyway love it love it love it I'm gonna put that up on my Instagram so do have a look at that thank you Tara for sending that along so we have Laurie and Laurie I read her email out a bit ago also saying that she keeps these podcasts as a treat and she only lets herself listen to them when she goes out on her walks and that motivates her to do her walks every day and I really identify with that because I go on walks every day and so does Zach and he listens to motivational speeches while he's on his walks and I just love that I love that you listen to this podcast on those walks I thought it was such a brilliant way to get yourself out on the walks I just felt so honored that you do it like that so I need the update from Laurie she says wow 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 so imagine the scene I've put off walking because ugh motivation and she talks about her new rule being that she doesn't let herself go for a walk until she listens to the podcast. Right, so just, oh no, that's my alarm to do my intro. Hello, I'm already doing it. BTW, I set myself probably 10,000 alarms a day, not 10,000, at least 10, and they each remind me of something. But doing things with microphones now, I mean, clearly, if you've listened to this a few times, you know that I'm often interrupted by either my alarms or me forgetting to turn my computer off and I have got emails telling me how to do that and you are right I just I forget to do it anyway 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 Laurie was saying that basically she was on one of these walks and she'd put it off and then she was on one of the walks and then she listened to the podcast and then she heard her own email being read out so that is just very cool I hope I explained any of that properly so she said it was a great little boost so win-win and now I'm going to get all those steps in and you're along for the ride, she says. Talk about a great day and it solidified my motivation. Thanks again for all you're doing. Be well, love, Laurie. Right, that's the emails for this week. God, I feel like I've taken forever. I'm sorry about that. Augustine had the most amazing idea to ask Reddit for questions. Now, last week in my little snack-sized one, the questions were specific to tonight's episode. So I've sort of already answered the ones for today's episode, but Augustine being Augustine and being absolutely amazing, he's got some more for us, hasn't he? So I'm just going to quickly see about answering a couple of those and maybe I'll come back and do some more at the end because otherwise this introduction is going to be a so long, so, so long, which I don't know, maybe you don't mind that. Okay, going to get through these and maybe I'll do a few now and a few in the outro. Okay, Extra Crispy Zero Two. Were there any scenes in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that were improved by the cast and if so, which scenes? I mean, <laughs> improved by the cast, I would say every scene. But I think Ian and I were allowed a little bit more leeway who played Fitz with sort of ad-libs because we kind of went back and forth a little bit and Ian was very good at ad-libs. And one that is coming to mind 
it's when it's when we sort of catch Raina and then she's going off in the car and then I say, don't think she's going to be wearing any flowery dresses anytime soon. And then he goes, amen, sister. And the amen was an ad lib that just always really sticks with me because it was quite hard. We were all together and all facing forward in that little scene. And it was, we just, he said it. And to be fair to us, I think we pretty much all kept our cool. And then every time he said it, it just got closer and closer to us all laughing. Anytime there's everybody in a scene, just know that they're a nightmare for any director to have to direct because something happens when all the cast is together. It's hard to get anything done. It's like, it's like being in preschool and everybody just finds everybody else hilarious, which is very annoying to to other people I'm sure okay love my captain had another similar one about ad-libbing as a general rule we weren't really allowed to ad-lib it was the script is the script and because there's often a lot of story points that's in it and there's only 42 minutes in an episode we did need to get quite a lot of information in there so there wasn't that much ad-libbing but every now and again we could and I did certain things like if I felt like that's not quite how we would say it in England, I would say, oh, I'd probably say it like this and like that. And they were very lenient with me about that. So sometimes I got a few line changes in because I just said, oh, we wouldn't say it like that in England. Okay, who the hell is Bucky107 say, since Fitz has his favourite sandwiches, prosciutto, buffalo, mozzarella, and a hint of pesto aioli, what would Simmons' favourite sandwich be? I don't, I don't know why really, but I'm going to say peanut butter and banana. Is that bizarre? Don't really know why that bit just came to mind. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. Biblio feline rules. What is your preferred genre of show or movie to act in? Will they ever release the deleted scenes and or bloopers for the last couple of seasons? Preferred genre? Mm, Gosh, I don't know. Anything with a good script. I love comedies. I'm doing something at the moment that's a bit bit more serious I guess and I do love that I'm really working on my frown I love sci-fi I love superhero stuff I love the CGI things as well I love it all really a varied as long as it's a good character and a good script I'll basically do most things that really didn't answer your question but I just don't really have a favorite genre yeah twisted pretzel oh without any vowels I'm so impressed with myself that I could um read that what was it like to step into Marvel? Intimidating, exciting, or something... Com- oh, oh my gosh, hang on. Bibliopheline rules. Your second part was, will they ever release the deleted scenes and or bloopers for the last couple of seasons? Here's the thing. Next episode, Zach had a cameo and the episode turned out to be something like 10 or 12 minutes long. So they had to cut loads of scenes. And so they cut the scene with Zach and he... I'm going to go into this more next week. Fingers crossed, I remember. And he had a deleted scene in it. And I have it. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try and play it. But I don't know when they're going to release the deleted scenes for the last couple of seasons. I'm not sure. There were a lot of bloopers, certainly for season six and definitely season seven. I mean, the last two seasons, because we knew it was our last year, the writers just threw everything at it and just went ah well what have we always wanted to do what have we assumed ABC wouldn't let us do let's just try it and oh my gosh everything got approved so it's a cuckoo season six and then season seven is just 
off the chain. <laughs> so there's a lot of bloopers, basically. So I hope they release those soon, I don't know. But in next week's episode 112, there is a deleted scene that Zachary but Abel is in, my fiance. That I'm going to see if I can try and play somehow. Okay, Twisted Pretzel says, what was it like to step into Marvel? Intimidating, exciting, or something completely different? You know, very intimidating and exciting. But as soon as, even before the show came out, I felt such a warm embrace by the Marvel fans and have felt it throughout the show and fans of the show and then fans of the Marvel universe have always been very honest and very supportive, sometimes giving criticism, but always constructive. And I just think Marvel fans are the best fans ever. So all of the above, but the warm embrace from the Marvel universe and the Whedonverse also was just so wonderful and something I'm clearly still loving because I'm doing a podcast about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. called Live with Lil, which, come on, we should get to it. I'm going to do some more of these Reddit questions afterwards. Thank you so much for sending them in. Thank you for Augustine for gathering them up. Oh my gosh, what a long intro. But I just, I feel like, oh, didn't really get a chance to do it as much last week. So, oh, I hear piano. Do you hear piano? Oh, it must be. <laughs> I feel like maybe I'm just hearing in my head of this is my, the music that we need now. Okay, here it is without further ado. Keep your fingers crossed that the Wi-Fi works during this YouTube live. But if it doesn't, you know, gosh, 2020, we can just cope with whatever. Episode 111, A Magical Place, with very, very special guests. Here we go. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Play the sizzle reel. Welcome to level seven. This is actually a bit thrilling. Someone really wanted our initials to spell out shield. We have a small but active fan base. We are unstoppable together. You guys are my family. We don't move on. We hold that place in our heart, even after we say goodbye. We are not agents of nothing. We are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Welcome to episode 111 of Live with Lil. Let me mute that. Have you... Okay. Um, give you a recap. Last week, uh, we did not make it on because... There you go. This feels right. Now it has been... Oh, who is that? Is that you, Zach? So, Sorry. Okay, no. I, don't, I, don't normally, I don't normally host this, so... Zach is in charge of hosting... Go. Because England's Wi-Fi is down. Is it hot in here? All Sorry. Country, I guess. We, um, I wish that you guys could have seen five minutes before. I have been an absolute disaster. So here we are. Thank you for sticking with us. Warren Drummond, who is storyboarder extraordinaire. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so um, much. And Matt Mullins, stuntman, aficionado, who we just couldn't stop talking about on episode 110. We had um, uh, Katie Carroll and Denise Poor, uh, and we were basically just talking about you all the time because you pop up a bunch in episode 110. So had to get you on. Thank you, Elizabeth. It's really good to see you guys. It's been way too long. Warren, great to see you. And Zach. Back, brother. Thank you. Let's do, let's do some zooming. Oh, yeah, it's a Zoom. No, isn't live just Zoom right now? Um, I uh, I need to. We should start the video. We should, the video, brilliant. We should start the episode because what I tend to do is just chat, 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 and then actually forget to play it. So, um, 
I think everybody can watch it, right? Yes. Um, so if we are, oh, oh my God, up to the Marvel flip, right? Is kind of, Where are we, we there? Are. Yeah. Just okay, so we'll, we'll press play on one. Ready? Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh, mine's really loud. Yeah, let's do that loud. Okay. Oh my gosh, here we are. We're off. Um, Matt, you were saying before we started streaming that you can't believe how long ago Except this was. What well, you man. said this yeah, was six good. and a half years ago. I almost fell off the bed that I am balanced on. How crazy <laughs> is that? It's just amazing how fast it all went by uh, because just throughout the, the show, you just come across so many people and so many skill sets and so many storylines that uh, you almost forget that the amount that you did, it was a, I always like to think of S.H.I.E.L.D. as being a, you know, half a Marvel episode and shot in eight days and then on TV every week. So it's always incredible. Even the beginning, so like uh, th these are all done in, in less than a week. The whole so episode. This big fight scene now, when they're like now running down the corridors and then just then with kind of the baddies in the hotel room, when you're given something like that to choreograph and then do, what is the timeline? How does that work for you and the stunt team? Well, usually uh, we, we sort of get things on our radar when you get the concept pages out. So when you actually get the uh, the idea of what the script is, you get a sense of it, but you don't really have an idea until you do a concept meeting and then you do a production meeting to actually figure it out. And that's that could be anywhere from you know uh, 10 days before you get to prep it. But usually for something like this, you'd almost have like one day to actually be like, here's the plan, this is what we're gonna do with the location and then you end up uh, assembling it. And then if everybody likes it, then you have to train everybody to do it. The stunt performers shoot a previs of it, get it approved, then show the actors and then shoot it. So it could be, it's somewhere in between like eight, one day to like eight days total for the whole thing to be accomplished. For it to get to, to be on set, ready right. to shoot it? Yeah, usually closer to the one to, one to two days, not so much the eight, but it's on our radar at about eight. Okay. Right. As a comic book fan, it was great seeing Adrian Hand with her app with that hair. Yes, I was, I was like, they got it. Yeah, because things like that are really like there was a lot. People felt a lot of pressure about Agent Hand being there because you know we've had Easter eggs of different different Marvel characters, but this was someone that if you were a comic book fan, you would know mm -hmm. Agent Hand. You wouldn't necessarily know her from. The Marvel movie, so it felt like, uh -huh. oh my gosh, we're gonna we're gonna hear if we don't get this right. Just like Major Talbot has to have a pencil thin mustache. Yes, that's right. That's that's pure comics. Warren, I love that you're such a comic book fan. Is that how you first got into storyboarding? Yeah, I mean, my passion was growing up to be a comic book artist, and then. In high school, I started to wanted to be a writer, so they were competing. And when I got to college, I took three years of of screenwriting. I didn't get into comics, and then finally, years after college, I finally got into the industry. I was able to use my comic book storytelling and my film knowledge to become a storyboard artist. It took a long time, though. But what comics did, was part of it. What was the um, 
what took so long? I mean, I know that that's probably a silly question, but like, how did you go? How did you keep going? What was your way in? What worked? What didn't? I worked in after during during college and after college. I worked in the store in New York, Bloomingdale's. Mm. I was. I worked at Bloomingdale's as well. There you go. So I was. I worked there at Abercrombie. So slightly. <laughs> there you go. So I was there uh, during college, help pay for some college stuff. Then after work and after college, I couldn't find work because I, I was not good enough to be a comic book artist, penciler, or inker. And then I was doing some freelance work, but I had to still bring in some income. So I went from being a part-timer to a full-timer. And then it's then I wasn't quite sure about exactly storyboards. It was still freelance artists. I, I had it nailed down storyboards. It was like, I'm going to sell a script. I'm not there yet. So what happened was, to be very brief, I got into this group called the Black Filmmaker Foundation back in New York. And one of one of my friends there, uh, a gent named Rodney Strich, uh, Stringfellow, had some friends who were doing this movie called The Drop Squad, which was a low budget movie, which was exec produced by Spike Lee. He knew that wow. I started doing storyboards. He recommended me, I got that movie. And then that movie got me out of Bloomingdale's. And then I followed with Above the Rim, which was oh, a yeah, yeah. rock movie. And then it slowly started, but it really, my career really creeped and creeped until Die Hard with Avengers did some second unit storyboards for the legendary Terry Leonard, who Matt mm -hmm. will know very well. Terry's like my, my uncle, I love him that, that much. And um, that really propelled me into bigger movies. And then here I am, and then I moved to LA at the end of 99. So I had to kind of like start from scratch but I was working with uh, the late uh, John Sis uh, Singleton all the time. So John helped me out a, a lot to get established in Los Angeles. And wow. here I am. Wow. No crawl. So when you left your job at, at Bloomingdale's, was, mm -hmm. that, did, was that just a total leap of faith to go from a full-time job, but one you knew was only ever meant to be an interim thing was that a difficult transition to just kind yeah. of jump all in on, on one job essentially right i had been there i'd been there through even through part-time work to full-time for a decade and i was at the point where i had to leave and my friend yvonne was like telling me you have to go and she had been there my my friend got uh gaston who was a martial artist gaston told me if I that if I ever came back, he would kick me in the neck. Oh, I'm like that's how much he loved me, and we're still <laughs> friends all these years later. So, but I had a family, I had a family behind me, and um, that was big. Um, and I, I did it, but it was not easy at, at all. Like at all, where you're like you're like okay, I need a job now. Yeah. So, yeah. Not easy. And that's and amazing. I, I actually wish I had done it years earlier, but that's, you know, the hindsight, you know, things now, oh, I should have done this, but I think I had to also, I was a little bit behind. I think I was just a little bit mentally behind as far as where I had to go career-wise. The good thing now being the, now being the Obi-Wan and the Obi-Wan as my Padawans call me. <laughs> I can now tell younger artists, you might think of doing this, you might think of doing that. Yeah. So, no, that's helpful. So that's, that's 
the good part of it. Yeah. My wife would tell people in show business, study business because it's show business. Mm -hmm. So shout out to my wife, Betty, who always says business, no business. Don't be, yeah. a, don't be a stupid artist, you know? And we miss well, I mean, I think it's, when you think of 10 years, you've, you've got to a point in your career that's just so amazing. And for me, from the outside looking in, you just seem like you've done everything and there's nothing you can't do. Mm -hmm. Even though it's like, maybe you would have liked to have got there 10 years before, you still yeah. got there and you're there now, you know? So it's like, yeah. it I'm can feel like a long. I've, it's, you know, this whole Corona nightmare has yeah. been a nightmare for everyone. I've been blessed to have worked through most of it. Uh, I had the first two months, the first two months were horrible. The first two months, like everybody else was like, where's the meals gonna come from? And I was, I was in that fray phase where a lot of us were, you know, we, we, we might panic, but then I started getting little jobs. Friends would ask me to do storyboards for um, pitch meetings. So I had a few friends, director friends or writer friends doing pitch meetings. So I do boards from them. They would pay me out of their pocket. That was helpful. Unemployment helped a lot. And then I started getting getting a feature. Did a uh, did a movie movie that Channing Tatum is co-directing his first film. So I got to work with him, and I had met him years earlier. Fellow martial artist, also very nice guy, and that helped a lot. And then I got the Ms. the Ms. Marvel TV show that's filming now. So I'm so back excited about Ms. Marvel. I just got, yeah. can't wait for that. Same here. So, and I think it shows you with the, you know, with hard times, I'm sure Matt, you've had a journey to get to where you are too, that at least with periods like this, if you're in the entertainment industry, you're, we're kind of built to cope with periods of maybe not working so much. And, you know, it's kind of built into what I think we are used to a bit more that maybe it didn't hit us quite as hard, but um, yeah, I don't no, that's accurate, but I think with any, you know, artist, no matter you're doing art on paper or art, you know, doing live production or acting, you end yeah. up finding ways to fill those gaps. So even yeah. if uh, for, you know, for me doing martial arts and stuff, like I, I still trained, like even though it's difficult to try to, you know, do, you know, a fighting sport, you do it through Zoom, you figure it out because that's- Yeah, what you yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. No matter what hey, it is. So, hey, Matt. I I have a couple of questions coming in from the chat, and one is from Can Bruce. Talk about this car thing as well. Like, I yes. want to know how that car, because uh, we just had a huge car stunt. Yes, we'll do that first, and then come back to the questions. Is that okay? Just yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's that's what's up. Yeah, for sure. How um how did and also I feel like you're about to come on the screen, Matt. Right? Is it this bit or is it no? It's later. I don't know. Clark Clark escapes at some point here, and then I capture him and do a, a you know, I, I lift him up in the air like Darth Vader. But um, yes, yeah, I think it's a little we bit stop for that bit. Um, but the car thing. So yeah. how how do you do that? <laughs> well, for something like that, so they're actually it's not like they're wrecking the car. They're running into a couple water barrels, so that um, you know. It's, it's done in a bunch of cuts, especially for something like that. So you ended up having the road closed off. You did shots before, like free driving. You had shots of uh, Chloe on a process trailer with her actually in there. Um, 
you know, being towed so she doesn't have to focus on the road, she could focus on her performance. Then uh, you saw an overhead shot where the van actually crashed into the water barrels. It made it seem like they were going 70 miles an hour, but in all likelihood, they probably only hit it at like 20, 30 miles an hour. That was a stunt performer driving and they hit the brakes. Um, most likely what happened because a lot of the cars nowadays have uh, systems where the brakes will shut down or they have um, uh, yeah, airbags. So they disable the airbag and they disable the, uh, yeah, the, the, the braking systems so that they're able to actually hit it and make it look good. Uh, looks so oh, good. And then how did you do this with the guy upside down? Yeah, this is all, that was all just on wires. It was pretty simple. Wires in an air blowers. It's pretty simple because it was all um, just pulling him straight up and he's upside down. And yeah, that was actually pretty, pretty simple. So it was all on stage. Here comes Clark. Huh! Clark Yay. is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So we wanted to get him a, a rear naked choke in there. And of course he did it marvelously and almost destroyed the stunt now. <laughs> did he? No, oh no, 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 no. He's very, very safe. I'm just kidding. Like, again, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, so he's exceptionally talented at that. Yeah, that's so it because Colson didn't do that many, that many stunts no. compared to like, you know, Quake or Ming or, you know, that's, we. I feel like we should have used that more, no? I thought about that. I would have loved, I mean, there was one fight that he ends up doing with uh, uh, Chloe's dad, Mr. Hyde, in the second season where we tried, to, hey, there we go, ah, get up there, Clark. Uh, where we ended up doing, we tried to do a little bit of jujitsu with him in it, but it just didn't, you know, ultimately you have to serve the, you know, serve the piece as much as possible. And, uh, you know, not saying that we could pull off, a, you know, a huge fight like that, but it just wasn't necessarily uh, serving the story. So I'll, I'll, I'll tie in one of the questions to this series, which was what advice, this is from Patricia, what advice would you give actors who are preparing for action sequences like before they meet you? Is there anything that they can do to sort of prep themselves before actual stunt training? Uh, yes, be open-minded. I think everybody has their own version or the stunt coordinators and team have different ways that they want to do it. So be open-minded and then focus on doing it um, like you would if you were doing uh, procedural drama. So if you were to do like, you know, if you're going to be a doctor in a TV series, you had to put the same amount of effort into learning that dialogue and that jargon as you do into uh, your martial arts and training. And it, just like on something like Dancing with the Stars, you have to be able to, you know, uh, work with your partner and, and then just keep doing it. It's not something that everybody has innately in them. You have to work on it and it's, it's a dance. So, you know, you're not actually hitting anybody. So you right. have to find, you have to find the ways to actually uh, work together and, you know, keep working at it. Chloe and Elizabeth both did a very good job in season two. They did oh. I, wish I, <laughs> I was watching videos of you that I took from uh, your training with your boxing and your kicking. And I'm just like, Ooh, we got to do a, we got to do a, there was a big fight scene in uh god what was that i feel like it was like season five i think no maybe season four was that the uh, one Kevin Tantron did yes oh my god yes and in the end we had to put in that Simmons was clearly terrible because I just found it so much pressure doing a one in a fight in a fight scene that Thank God all Simmons had to do was, oh, sorry, and fall over. And like, they wrote it in that Simmons, you're so sweet to say that, put me in the same category as Chloe Bennett. I mean, come on. You got, but you guys were trained, like she, but Chloe, like, again, she took the, her focus so much on the stunt work because she actually, because Ming set such a high bar. Uh, yeah. She could, you know, 
live up to that bar that also Ming started because Chloe didn't necessarily have tons of, she had no experience uh, fighting or doing that. But man, before season two, she took two months before like every like three to four times a week, two to three hours a day, just training, going from zero martial arts to what you saw on screen. And it was incredible. You can tell. Yeah, off. And then she kept it on Kevin would just shoot single takes, so you can't really cheat in a single single take. Right. Yeah. Totally. But how very, did you get that's how that's how you end up uh, you know, that's how you should train for fight sequences. <laughs> yeah. How did you um get into it, Matt? Like what was your because I, I feel like stunt people come from lots of different disciplines, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do you how did you get into it? The long short of it, I started doing uh, Japanese Okinawan martial arts and I was competing on a, a national competition circuit <clears throat> that focused, it, it was weird. Martial arts has evolved more over the last 20 years than it has over the last 400. Um, so when I first started yeah. almost 30 years ago, martial arts was just, you'd have a tournament and everything was at the tournament. You'd have forms, which is performance of, uh, kind of like, like short dance routines, but martial arts, they're called katas. Uh, you'd have weapons, which are the same thing, but then you'd have the fighting aspect of it. And it was like all in one. Nowadays, everything is so compartmentalized. Like you have just fighting, you have just form competitions, and then some gradations in between. So back then I was competing on uh, the national circuit and everybody at that time were really trying to push the limits on what we could do martial art wise. So we were starting to incorporate acrobatics, gymnastics, and that's what I excelled in uh, to the point to that's what I competed internationally with. I won wow. championships doing uh, what's now called extreme martial arts. And then I started a team called Sideswipe and we started doing live shows all over the, all over the country. Ended up doing 30 Seconds to Fame. We did America's Got Talent. We took, what? We took eight place on America's Got Talent as team Sideswipe. And then after that, and the funny thing is if you look at that original team, it was myself, Jackson Spidell, Chris Brewster, Craig Henningsen. Craig went on to go, uh, do this all the Spider-Man stunts in the Broadway show. Brewster ended up doubling Daredevil. Jackson Spidell ended up being, uh, you know, uh, doubling Chris Evans and Keanu Reeves. So from from that point, we were just really apt and able to do stuff like huge live performances. And in the speed that Agents of Shield moved, it it really helped us out because if you can get one person to uh, not just put together cool moves, but have to do it without wires, without setup, and just do it over and over and over again that's what you're able to do. So that's, that's kind of how I got into it. And, you know, my big joke was like, Oh, how'd you get into stunts? I'm like, Oh, I fell into it. But, uh, but <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Thank you. But we sort of, but that's how, you know, the long and the short of it. And in between there, when I first came out to California, um, you know, I, I did, I was a gypsy. I did everything from, you know, I took acting classes. I took, we did, I did motion capture. We did live shows. We did, I, I mean, just anything that you could throw at us. If it sounded cool, we'd just go do it. Uh, and it's it's a small community, as as you know, especially as Warren knows as well. It's like everybody knows everybody, and it's it's still exciting. And still, I, I train, I never stop. And it's just like we were talking about before. As an artist, this is what you do, and uh, it you have to do it. So yeah. And for folks, for folks that haven't seen how great Matt is as a martial artist, there was a Michael Jai White movie, Blood and Bone, and he yep. and Michael Jai White, who was an exceptional martial artists throw down and and Matt gives and takes and his skill level and Matt is as tall as I am maybe a little bit 
taller. We're both we're both like six two, and for him to be as agile and fast and to do acrobatics, it's not easy. Thanks, Warren. So, <laughs> us. Us. So awesome, and and you have to have also a um you like. Uh oh, I think we're losing Lil. I do have a question. I have a while she's coming back. I have a question for you, Warren. Sure. Can you explain? There's there's people that are asking how do you get involved as a storyboard artist, but also the process from when you hear that they need a storyboard. How do you go through that process, and and what are the steps? Okay, as far as how to get into storyboards, I would say there's this great book called Shot by Shot by Stephen Katz, K-A-T-Z. You can get it on Amazon. It's a book on directing, but it has lots of storyboards storyboards in it. And in order to be a, a good storyboard artist, besides having the art skills, human anatomy, uh, can draw environments, know your perspective, you have to know cinematic storytelling. So get that book by all means, Shot by Shot, Stephen Katz. As far as how we approach it, um, for a project, I usually will, will meet with either the director, the DP, who's a cinematographer, or the stunt coordinator, and we will go over the scene. What is the scene? Um, they may have an idea of what the shots are that they need. Usually for TV, they'll know a lot of it because it's such a fast thing. They, did, they, did, they need to know a lot. But sometimes I will have to come up with the storytelling. But you have to have that initial conversation what is the scene? What is the point of the scene? What are you trying to get out of it? And are there any things like you, you can't shoot in a certain direction because of that set's not complete? You got to shoot this way because of it looks better or they built something shooting in a certain direction. Um, will they use a lockdown camera? Will they use a steady cam? Crane shots, all these things involved. So um, I'm on. Twitter, if anyone wants to find out from me on Twitter, uh, should be uh, WD Artist, the uh, W Drummond Artist on Twitter. And I'm an Instagram also, so they can ask me questions on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, cool. Okay. And if anyone never saw a board, this is a very close shot of what a storyboard might look like. Very close. Here's the shield. There you go. I think we're losing. I think we're losing Elizabeth. I think she got sucked back to that other planet that that happened to. Yeah, Sim exactly. Yeah, she's a real version. I think that's a real version. So, I think we're losing. Oh no! Am I still gone? There you go. Now, now, now you're back. Yeah. Or she, or she was. Am I? Now there you go. Oh. We just talked about you. Don't worry about it. Uh, I could hear you guys. I just felt like I was just, you know, a regular viewer. Uh, am I bad? No. Yeah, you are kind of. I think we can hear you. <laughs> um, where are you guys at in the episode? Because mine froze. Uh, uh, Clark is talking to Ruth at the moment about the... I think, I can't remember what the okay. name of the scene was, but. I'm about there. Yeah, okay, so I'm there. I feel like um, you're about to show up, right, Matt? Hmm, I can't remember. 
I know we're, yeah. How do you, um, how do you cope on set map with like actors that might not be stunt minded, you know, like, do you, can you change some moves so that they are more able to do it? Or do you just suggest them training more or, you know, cause you have to make everybody look cool, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning of every uh, every stunt viz or anything we try to do, we see what people's strengths and their weaknesses are, and we always try to highlight the strengths. And, um, you know, there's certain things that everybody does slightly better. So it's like, okay, this looks really good, and we can do that from here. Or you decide whether or not you can break up a certain move and use the double in a certain way if you're trying to ultimately, uh, if it's important to the story. Um, or you think that, it, yeah, it's, it's critical in this way, then you figure out how to break it down to do it. But I always tried to highlight like what I'm like, I know that, you know, Elizabeth has a super high left round kick. So when she's going <laughs> to yeah, this guy, this Hydra guy in the face, we're going to make sure to highlight this left kick from this side to make sure we can do it. And then if it's something that's, you know, super fantastical, then if we have time to do things like wires to assist, I mean, there, there's whole sequences that could be done on wires that, you know, I, I always like to stick around, especially with the, the superhero shows that involve humans, to make it reality plus 10%. So to make it look uh, fantastical, but still in, based in reality. It's one of the things that I loved about a lot of the Jackie Chan movies, because he looks superhuman, but it's just just little tiny assists that that make him look that way. And of course he has that uh, like so high ability, but just little tiny assists. Like there's a move in uh, Rush Hour where he does a kip over an ottoman. And it's like, it looks so real, but it's actually on a small wire assist. So things like that help, you know, help the overall stunt uh, performer and the overall, uh, you know, sequence. That's so, so cool. And the fact that we they were, have to do take after take too. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking earlier about how uh, Kevin Tantrone is sort of known for these oneers and these action sequences. How do you guys work, since he has these specific stylistic points how do you guys work with that knowing that the camera's going to be moving so much and you might have do you know certain points that he's going to want to hit ahead of time from like an action sequence and storyboarding so that you're capturing those is that part of like the creative process well i think um especially you know working with warren on a lot of these shots was was really fun because you know we all look at the script and we all have interpretation of where this could go and then, uh, then you start to uh, refine the process by, you know, this is where we think stunts goes. You know, Warren helps take a look at it from, uh, you know, perspective of all the other, you know, departments from the DP, from the director. And we just start to, you know, whittle it down. Then we actually right. look at the set and we look at the, uh, the props that we have and we just try to make it as interesting as possible. And if there, again, if there's moves that I, we, if the actor is in it the entire time, we try to figure out, um, you know, how we can ultimately uh you know keep them in it as much as we can or we figure out where we could do switches in the sequence that elizabeth was talking about with all the um i know it's on the bus i can't remember what it was but everybody was fighting in that and there's a few times where we did cowboy switches where you know where one of the actors you'd see the actor you'd see ming's face the entire time but at some point she does like flip off of a box you know when the camera was turning we switched out the stunt performer so when the camera came back around that was that was the stunt performer. Then it came back around again, and then it was Ming again. So it's it's just sort of a little bit of a it's just figuring out a dance and coming up with a huge overall idea, and then whittling it down for whatever's actually 
you know, that you could pull off. And then talking about the the stunt doubles, every fight you see on TV or in a movie, the actor is mostly, there's a stunt double that you would then, they kind of have the same costume on and outfit and look a similar build and they'll do it and just try and kind of hide their face. Pretty much. I mean, I think a lot of the, uh, you know, it it mostly comes down to back of head acting. So if... (laughs) If the back of, if the back of your head could look like somebody else, usually we could skip by with it. You'd actually be surprised the amount of people that have doubled. Uh, I mean, Clark's double, uh, Dane Farwell, who's freaking oh my gosh, incredible career, but he's like a foot taller than than Greg, and you know, we're, uh, than, yeah, than uh, Clark. Then it's um, it's just crazy. But he's a foot taller, but it works so well because he hit the back of his head looks so much like him. And you'd never be able to tell. Everything he does, the way he walks, the way he moved his hand. I mean, he's doubled Clark for years, right? Before yeah. before Shield, I feel like. And I've run out of times that I would tap him on the shoulder and just be so shocked that it wasn't Clark's face right. on his head. Yeah, they looked that much alike. It, it was crazy. Oh my but God. Oh. Yeah. Wow. But usually, then, you can, we always try to use this stunt double very sparingly. So, you know, in a few, you know, blips, you, you would never even tell. No. And I feel like she's as a tall, stunt double. Yeah. Huh? I said she's okay. tall, but the, the actress playing Agent Hand, she's like six feet. Because I remember when I met her at the office, I was like, hey, how you doing? And she was like, she was tall. I, she's, tall. I, yeah. she's very tall. Yeah, she's. She's amazing. We were just so excited to have Agent Hand there. I mean, that was so fun. Matt, and I have a question we... uh, for you. It's actually several people have asked. Was there a specific character that was the most fun to design stunts for? Oh, well, I mean, for May, she was she was the most fun because I think, I don't know. No, everybody's been so much fun because you just never know you know, where the, the stories are going to go. One of my, one of my favorite fights is obviously the, the Ming versus Ming fight in season two, where Ming uh. himself. And that was just bonkers, you know, because the way it was <laughs> an episode, but that was just, that was insanely nuts. Um, but that was one of my favorites. I mean, the one we did, we also did a one also with Kevin Tantron on, with Chloe, uh, where it was like, it was kind of a John Wick style fight even before John Wick, where she goes into the Hydra base and she takes mm-hmm. out all the Hydra people in one shot and she's i mean it was it was bonkers and we did that's one of them that we did in less than you know four days but again chloe just she wanted to really do it um and then the the first ming versus chloe fight in season two those are just some of my favorites because um it it was just all you just be as creative as you want we could be as creative as we wanted to be and you know the sky was the limit so i mean it's it's really hard to pick one Was this Chloe? Chloe was really driving this car, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody was super worried because where that that ranch is at, it was like just bad road and you know really bumpy, and that was a super low Can you car. Hear me? No. Oh yeah, I heard oh. you. Yeah. We could hear you. Yeah. Can you hear us, Bob? 
Good I still, okay. looks like we lost Elizabeth. Just to let you guys know, I've also opened up the waiting okay. rooms. We have a lot of people. Um, if you're unfamiliar, at the end of the episode, we let a few I feel fans like you're in. about to come out. Yeah. You were saying? Uh, I was saying uh, at the very end of the episode, we'll let some fans yeah. in to ask you guys specific questions, a couple of them. And then at the very end, we let everyone in. So we've opened it up and there's now 95 people waiting. So oh. just a little exciting. Don't uh, open the way because then I'm going to put the link in. Oh, I already did. The link's already out. I already did it. Oh, you already put it in uh -oh. the chat? <laughs> oh, okay. Well done. I was going to tell you to like clo close the waiting room, you know, like make sure it's not, you know, you clearly have done. Yes, it's, it's good to, it's good to go. And Matt, the nice hair. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, the, the <laughs> nice flat. That's uh, Kofi Yodam and Alan Joe, who they're fighting there. Uh, um, I'm fighting, Brad, you know, Brad. Regramenta there. From the Odom family, the one of the biggest stud oh families God, around. Yeah. Wow. I worked with uh, Greg Barnett a lot on. Uh, I did a show called Make It or Break It, and he and his son did a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Or Jeff, Jeff's his son, right? Or am yeah, I yeah. flipping them? Okay, that's right. Yeah, Jeff was, uh, or Greg was doing nine one one just recently. He's a, he's okay. a great guy. One of the one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. <laughs> This was such a fun day. Am I back? You are back. You are back. Yeah, you're back. My man, Sam. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> this is torture because this scene is amazing. Cole is actually having the effect that Clark's having here. He's in and out. So um, how yes. long did this take to shoot, Matt? Do you remember? Top to bottom, that was one in day. In the sand that day. One day. We had two units going, but one day with the car stunts, the ratchets, the fight with uh, myself and Brett and with Ming and the other two stunt performers and all the lead up and drop off stuff. So one day. Whoa, you did all that in one day? Yeah, and that's, that's again, why a lot of this, you know, you, you really can attribute to amazing planning by the whole AD staff, planning by, you know, the whole production team and, you know, the directors pulling it off and uh, second unit with uh, Gary Brown pulling all that off as well. I mean, it was, it was the biggest team effort that, you know, could be done in a single day. It was impressive. Every day was just crazy awesome. How was it when people develop powers? How did you, did you alter some of the stunt stuff to like, if, you know, if, if Quake is using, a, you know, if she's quaking, how, how do you accommodate for things like that? Some of the stuff that we were trying to come up with, you know, we, because it, there was again, no rules. So we would sort of come up with concepts on how the powers could work and how they could evolve. And then we'd send it up to the creative team because there is a process of, uh, you know, character integrity that we had to maintain. And where they ultimately want, they have much further vision into the future of where they want the character to be at what point in the series. So we had to, you know, show them what we concept, like our concepts were for that and then started to do it. But again, we sort of, especially with uh, with Quake and with Lincoln, you know, we, we really wanted to take their powers to, you know, in those beginning stages to uh, as far as we could. Um, and then again, that was a huge combination of being able to work with 
um, the creative team with uh, the, the producers and writers and with, you know, guys like Warren as well, who come up with ways that we could, you know, bring these characters to life in those, in those hopefully creative aspects. That was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun as a comic book fan to have to draw the practical version of these characters because mm -hmm. you can't do what they do in the comic because they didn't have the budget that a Marvel film would have. You know, so you had to make it more doable, reality-based. How has storyboarding evolved from when, because you showed before we started the live that you have a, you know, if you have a computer that you're actually working off yeah, of, did you just start the, just on like the original boarding? Yes, about 10 years ago, uh, most people went uh, digital. The old school storyboards from the Hitchcock movies to Spielberg and Jurassic Park, they're all done paper, pencil, um, markers and all that. And then when we when when Photoshop and Painter, which are two popular programs came to be, then people started doing digital storyboards. So we're still illustrating. I have a thing called a, a Cintiq, which is basically a monitor, which is flipped the same um, angle that a drawing table is. So you draw on that using a digital pen, which I have here. Mm. So I draw on that, which is like glass. And then what makes it easier is that we don't have to scan it like back in the old days, you had to draw on paper, put it in a copy machine, scan it, fax it to a client. It takes forever. Now, draw it out, save it, send it to your client by email. Bing. So you prefer it on this versus using the pen and paper? It's just easier. I like the old school. Nothing beats feeling of a pencil or marker on paper. Right, just right. That, that tactile feeling but when you have to get stuff done it just it's it, much nothing easier. beats be able to send it off if i was doing something that was really detailed like a, like a comic book then you really have the battle of digital versus feeling the paper ink lines brush strokes and all that but for what i do is storyboards it's so much easier just to do work save it and if i had to make a change if matt were to tell me that's a nice shot, but can you move this character a few feet over on the screen? I would just select it, grab it, move it over. Can you make it a tighter shot? Select it, pull it out so it's a wide, so it's a tight shot. Not wide enough or too wide, select it, push it in. So many things you can do. Then I could do effects like blur effects, which would like make it seem like someone has, uh, they're going fast, they're using speed. I could add color with what I want. I can take things out. I can move, if I have it on a layer, one thing on first layer, then nothing on second layer. I could change the first layer without interrupting the work on the second layer, which if I did it um, in the analog way of paper and pencil, I have to change everything. And I have to white, white out whole parts of the artwork and it's just a pain. So digital all the way. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That's just so fascinating to me. I remember I've been on the Disney lot before and gone into some of their animation and they have all mm -hmm. of these old storyboards from Mickey the, and it's just cell. unbelievable. Yeah. 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 It's just, so was, yeah. It, it's amazing work and they did everything by hand. Yeah. And the sad thing is that the people that did it by hand when, as soon as 
you know, Pixar came in, Toy Story became so pop, a lot of those digital, a lot of those old school by hand artists got tossed out. Either you learned the new technology or they were tossed aside and they had to relearn everything. Boy, that's like, just, I'm just in awe of your ability to not only do it. Can you guys hear me? Uh, we kind of can. You're not on the screen anymore. I know. But we hear you well. But we hear you. Okay. Okay. It's Obi-Wan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where is she, Lil? Boss. So yes, that's, that's how we do storyboards. How, was it difficult learning the new technology from going from pencil and paper? Or is it pretty intuitive? Um, the, there's uh, the, the Cintiq is intuitive. You, uh, well, Photoshop is in pretty intuitive. You, you can pick it up fairly easy, easier step-by-step. Step. You still have to learn a lot. There are people that know Photoshop way more than I do. Deathlock, there you go. Uh, who knows storyboards way more uh, uh, as far as sorry Photoshop more than I do, but to get a basic knowledge of it, Photoshop is is a fairly intuitive program where you can pick things up. But now you have things called if other programs came in, Procreate, uh, Manga Studio, uh, I think it's um, Sketcher, all these other things pop up. So there's always something else that uh, people will create. Interesting. You yeah. can learn. You can learn. Dun, dun, dun. Bubba, are you there? I, I am, but I don't think you guys can hear me. Can you? We could, we could hear you. You're just frozen. But I was going to bring someone in to ask questions. Is, do you want me to go ahead and admit them? Yeah, let's do it. I have so many questions, but I'll wait till I have signal. I'm so sorry. Um, that was a great episode, guys. Matt, you were so good at this, everything. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I love that episode. Uh, so we're going to bring in Patricia. Uh, let's see if she is there. Hi, Patricia. Uh, says oh, wherever you are. Says that she's joining. Good morning from Good morning. the Philippines. So uh, my question is... Um, <laughs> My question is, when you for, it's for it's for Matt, by the way. So when you choreograph um, a fight sequences or fighting styles for different characters, how far along is the backstory that you get depending on which character? Like for for May, we know that she's an agent of Shield. What difference between her, and for example, a different character? Um, how backstory do you have? Uh, you know, it, it just, it always switches between each character. There's some characters that are very, very specifically defined and, and that are, we're growing with. So for Sky, like when she was in season one and two, uh, we sort of, we had a better idea of where she was coming from. For May, you know, with the whole idea that she was the Calvary and she was dealing with, you know, some kind of thing in her past that was, um, you know, that we don't know about, but she's obviously has all these skills. We had to be a little bit more sensitive with that, all, the only things that we knew is that she was a complete badass and that she had this one crazy, uh, you know, uh, battle that that happened to her. So those were 
kind of the only two things that we knew. And then as, you know, as the writers and producers decide how they're going to end up telling her story throughout the, all these seasons, then we started to get those concepts. So again, it switches with every character, but, you know, we, <laughs> we, we try to always find out what are the, uh, as much backstory as we can, because that affects her fight style for sure. All right. Thank you so much. Can I ask one short question? Yeah, quick one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, of course. Do you how do you storyboard um, fight sequences? Wow. Well, here's the thing. Um, I could, I don't usually store storyboard an entire fight because the director and the stunt coordinator, or the if he's also the he or she is also the fight coordinator, they like to really work things out. Um, I can have an idea to say you can start here. This this is a basic foundation for something, but it really has to be worked out with the director, the the stunt coordinator, and then the actors. Back in the day, Bruce Lee used to actually storyboard his fight scenes because he was an artist, so he, he would actually thumbnail them, but he was a person doing the fighting, so he could do it. So I will storyboard action sequences of, of a fight starting, people running, cars, explosion, effects, but the actual fight scenes, usually the the the, the fight coordinator or stunt coordinator will take care of that part. One of the things I love about uh, Warren and storyboard artists in general is like they're they're the great communicator of kind of all the departments, like what you guys do with all the the uh, you know the special effects with stunts. You you speak stunt. You speak special effects. You speak director. You speak AD, and uh, all those things actually um, is what helps all of us you know put out turn out a product so quickly, especially in television. I'm amazed at every <laughs> yeah. single one of these that we've done. The amount of communication that every department has, and how much liaising is done to like bring. Really, it's such a team effort to yeah. make what you ultimately Definitely. see on screen. It's incredible. Mind blowing. You got to yeah. know teamwork. Oof. Well, I'm, I'm trying okay. to bring in Stephen here for uh, a question. Uh, it says that he is Thank connecting you. to audio. Thank you, Patricia. That was an awesome question. Both was. questions Thank is you. awesome. Bye. We'll try one other person here, and then I don't know. Our connection has not been great, so we might just we might just call it a day. But let's try Kevin here. But thank you all for watching along. Come on, Kevin. Come on. Come on, you can do it. Yeah, we can do it. But I'm glad it worked out for Patricia. The signal finally. Oh wow! Yeah, hey guys, good. great to see everybody. Uh, hey, hey, there's Kevin. Well, let me try this again. Let me try this again. Okay, so now we're getting a bunch of people. So let's okay. go to Kevin first. Kevin, what's what's your question? Uh, hold on. Elizabeth is trying to FaceTime me to potentially get back into this. <laughs> He's still okay, me am I on? You're on. You're on. We can hear you. All right. That's terrific. Hey, it's it's great to see all you guys. Uh, uh, gee, I don't know if I really have a question, but uh, I liked uh, uh, Matt's comment about uh, Warren and how, uh, you know, the fact that he kind of seems like the liaison between all the departments. Sometimes, Matt, yeah. That was great, you know, uh, the fact that you say that, uh, that War Matt said, you know, that it really is a team kind of thing. Oh, wow, there's Lil. <laughs> Hi, Lil. Can you hear it? I don't know if you can oh hear me, God, but it's I'm great so to see you. I can't believe I'm not on this. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Well, I, I kind of have a question for 
for little if Zach wants to relay. I'll, I'll I'll relay it to you. What's what is your? Maybe I can hold her like this. What's your question for Lil? Okay. Well, I got a question. Goes back to the pilot, actually. And okay. One of her first lines is she says, "I'm not Hermione. I can't uh, make uh, 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 you know." She says, "I'm not Hermione." And the question I have for Lil is, since you're actually about the right age. Did you actually ever audition for Harry Potter? And of course, for her mind specifically. Did you get all that, Lil? I didn't get any of that. Yeah, I kind of feel. Oh, uh, because you're on, you're on my headphone. Ah. If you, he said, he said that, uh, was it in, did you ever audition for Hermione in uh, Harry Potter? Oh my God, no. I wish I had. They held open auditions for that that anybody could go to. But I think I was, yeah, I probably was only about 12 at the time. And that was right. just not, not on my radar. But I, yeah, can you imagine? I would have loved that. Well, I, I thought of that because that's one of your first lines in the show, in the pilot episode. Yeah, yeah you're so you, rude. I can't create instant paralysis with that. That was it. That was the line. Yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, I think you would have made an amazing Hermione, but I'm very happy that we got seven seasons of you as Gemma. We got more time to know you as Gemma than we would have gotten for to see you as Hermione. And I just appreciate all the work you've done in that role. And we just love you. You're just so amazing as that character. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. I'm now sitting on the floor in the hall as close as I can get to the Wi-Fi modem. <laughs> I'm gonna out the next week, but thank you guys for hanging in there. Thank you to Matt, thank you Warren, thank you okay. for your question. Um, I wish I could say that I'd like, I, I have loved this week, but I'm frustrated that I can't be in it as much, but um, thank you. I so appreciate you being here. You're both so we talented and- we bought, we brought Roosh in. So Bubba, we're going to have her, we're going to see if she has a question that she'd like to ask really quickly. If, if you're still on here, do you uh, have anything? Hi, Roosh? can you hear me? Yes. yes. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, I was actually on a few weeks before. I feel really bad for being on again. Oh, you shouldn't. Do you have, do you have another, no, do you have any questions for Warren or Matt or Elizabeth or? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have multiple, but I'll go for Elizabeth. Uh, so I was just wondering, obviously you did your, audition scene with Ian and you did the scene that eventually ends up becoming the finale when you guys in the pod so I was just wondering what was it like when you were at the table read and you found out that you were going to do your audition scene as a scene in the finale um I think we knew before that that scene was going to be um the finale scene uh, a couple of episodes before and um i think i just felt uh yeah like an out-of-body experience it was full circle and then on the day it was filming it i think as soon as you get any of those scenes it's probably like matt when he gets a huge fight scene it's all you ever want but then you get that kind of nervousness in your stomach of oh my gosh I have to do the scene justice now um and maybe similar to Warren when you've got a storyboard like your dream sequence right there's pressure there um so yeah that day was just very that day was just very intense um so, 
I, I also loved it. And and when we were shooting the finale, we didn't know that we were going to get a second season. So, and I think that was the last um, scene that we shot of the finale, of, that I shot at least. So I wasn't sure if this was the last time I was ever going to be in a scene with Ian or any of that stuff. But yeah, how cool was that? That our audition team, they thought that far forward. I mean, obviously, but it's it's kind of crazy to wrap your head around. Yeah, it was really cool because obviously I think the screen test came out after you guys had, like, the season one had been released and so everyone was really surprised to find out that you had auditioned with that scene because it's such an intense scene to do. I know! Well, I think we talked about it too because sometimes you get an audition, you get audition material and it's just completely written for the audition and then other material it's captured from either the pilot or some future episode and so the whole season kept coming along and that never popped up and so then for that to happen it was kind of a cool realization yeah that's so cool thank you for answering thank you for your question nice to see you again nice to see you too (laughs) well Hey, Zach, should we let a bunch of people in? Yes, we're going to let everyone in. Um, should I just talk over someone? Oh, can you hear my clutch? <laughs> I'm going to admit all, so everyone's going to start pouring in. Uh-oh, here it comes. Oh, thank, you. thank you. so Bye. Oh, right then. <laughs> That could not, well, actually, that's not fair. It could have gone a lot worse. Of course, we had the most amazing guests and Zach was an absolute hero. But in terms of my Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi, it did not behave. So definitely figuring that out again for next week. Ah, oh my gosh. Well, you know, these things happen. What can you do? Hopefully you still enjoyed the episode. The thing is, I could hear pretty much everything, but from what I understand, and the video itself is not processed yet, so I can't watch it. And also, my gosh, with my Wi-Fi connection, I don't know, it might load by the time next week's live is here. From what I understand, I kept dropping in and out, although I could hear everything. So I still felt like I had the best seat in the house, but Unfortunately, Zach was sort of, they were just left to to talk to themselves, talk amongst themselves rather, which from my point of view, they did brilliantly. I found that so interesting. Matt and Warren are just so brilliant and just the top of what they do. And I thought said some really interesting things. I just, (laughs) I guess I wasn't there for you guys to hear my reactions, but just know, and I'll watch it back and I'll probably be freezing in all sorts of weird and wonderful positions. So do you send me your screenshots or your memes or whatever it is that you can create? I am down for a giggle. Obviously it had to happen on at least one of them. And I have had it before when my Wi-Fi dropped in and out on season seven of doing the lives but I haven't on this podcast edition and I suppose it just had to happen at some point better than cancelling it dropping in and out we found half a solution so that Zach could stream it on his wi-fi and I effectively would just log into zoom and have done all the back-end stuff already but it turns out my connection was not good enough for that either so next week will be better that's all you can say isn't it 
also, I realised that having watched it, when I said for Love My Captain and Extra Crispy Zero Two, when they were talking about ad-libbing lines, and I said about the girl in the flower dress, about Raina, I bet they don't have flower dresses where she's going, and Fitz says, amen, sister, that was in this episode. That's why it was so clearly in my brain, because I'd watched it this week in prep. Except I watched it two weeks ago, because we were meant to do this live last week. Anyway, that's where that was from. It's from this episode, so that was kind of the perfect answer. I didn't even realise I was giving. Right, I'm just gonna do a couple more of these Reddit questions. Trevin, one of my favourite things about AOS is how drastically some characters change throughout each season, especially Fitz and Simmons. Which season did you have the most fun in your role and which season was your favourite to act opposite Ian? What great question, Trevin. Oh my gosh, the next question has got the best name. I think some of our best scenes, Ian and I, were season two when we were had really awkward scenes being apart and kind of dragged apart. That made for some juicy scenes, but in terms of my favourite Fitzsimmons scenes, I think it has to be season seven, towards the end, you know? They were the most satisfying because it was just what their ending might be, and I absolutely loved that ending. So, yes, I think as a sadistic actor, my favourite was season two, probably, but as... And then maybe season three, that was 47... 22 hours wasn't it season three because it was all just a bit tumultuous and dramatic whereas season seven not to spoil it but it gets better you know right the next person is called little root which i'm guessing is a play on little groot no maybe not right because it's baby groot oh anyway what was your first impression of agents of shield how did you expect it to go when you entered the show and now looking back how much did it change Oh, Zach's texting. I've got my phone on silent this time and Zach just FaceTimed, audioed me. And now he's texting me. I'm doing my outro. <laughs> we have tried to talk a few times after coming off the YouTube live and um, my signal keeps cutting out. So it's frustrating evening tonight. What was your first impression of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, when we got the audition, we just got the audition sides and nothing else really about the show. So my first impressions were, this is so cool. I feel like I'm working for the Secret Service. I know nothing. Everything's so secretive. We had to sign so many NDAs. And so then looking back on it, when I first, uh, what did you expect? You know, I, I just, I didn't even know what to expect because I'd never been on a film set like that before. But I think I just expected everything to be huge and big and quite scary. And it was. <laughs> and then looking back, how much has it changed? I think the show has changed in a way that it's got, it just got more confident and comfortable as it went on. And my mind, it got funnier. And I don't know, but I think all of that was me. <laughs> I got funnier. No, I got more comfortable. And I just was so grateful to have a job where I never got that Sunday night dread. I just got the Sunday night excitement of, oh my gosh, I get to go back to work tomorrow and see all my friends and do this thing that is just so fun, and I was relaxed, and as an actor, as soon as you relax, which I'm trying to remember in this new job, as soon as you relax, that's when everything clicks into place, that's when you are the best actor, (laughs) when you can just relax into being a channel for whatever is meant to come through in your character, and just, yeah, let everything flow, 
And that's where we got to, or at least I got to later in the later seasons. And it just, everything was fun. So, hey, I think that's probably a good point to end those Reddit questions. Thank you so much for them. I'm going to read a couple of reviews. Oh my gosh, let's see if I can load them up. I should have screen grabbed them. I was reading them earlier today. Maybe I did. Did I screen grab them? One moment. No, of course I didn't. No. Boy, honestly, the signal is so funny. I don't know if it's the wind or the rain or just how it goes in England, but it's like, (laughs) it's fine. One second. And I can't tell you how many tests I've done this week of this. And then the next second, it is not okay. And it just goes. All right. Okay. Here we go. This is from Raptor Lindsay, who is a big friend of ours, a big internet friend, such a supporter on YouTube from the beginning. Actually, Lindsay said I should do a YouTube when we were on, what was it, Lindsay? I think Zach was doing a YouTube live. And I think I said something about, no, you encouraged me to do a style video on Instagram. And then I did that. And then that encouraged, I was like, gosh, I this feels like it should be a YouTube video anyway. So really, we've got a lot to thank Raptor Lindsay for. (laughs) And she writes, an entire delight. Elizabeth is a delightful host. I say we, I mean, I've got a lot to thank her for. Thanks everybody else for supporting me. (laughs) I sounded so big-headed. You've got a lot to thank Lindsay for because uh, she created this monster. She says, Elizabeth is a delightful host, so generously bringing together the best of the best in the television industry to give us an incredible behind-the-scenes look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., my favourite show, Natch. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, you're so amazing. This podcast and the connected YouTube live streams are so inspiring and encouraging, and the guests are engaging and informative. 10 out of 10 would recommend a thousand percent worth your time. Oh, here comes Zach. Let's just answer so I can't. Bubba, I'm just doing the uh, outros. (laughs) okay love you i'll speak to you in a minute okay bye okay love you um oh thank you so much Lindsay. you're just so brilliant daddy d from ohio says great podcast for all us fans i'm so happy liz is doing this podcast i have been a big fan of the show from the first episode and often revisit through the dvds i have Now I can relive each episode with Liz and guests. What a treat. My only regret is that I'm unable to watch live. Thanks for doing this, Liz. Uh, I mean, you won't regret not watching live on this episode. Lamentalia. Although, you know, it's probably amazing. Maybe it was better. Maybe maybe live with Lil is going to start to become live with bits of Lil bobbing in and out with terrible signal. No, it won't. I'll have it sorted for sure next week. My gosh, please be with me. Oh, this is from... Oh, Victor, this podcast is perfect for a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's awesome to hear all about the behind the scenes of each episode. And Lil is just a great person. She's very enthusiastic and is great at trying to keep the conversation going. Her guests on the podcast are also great and fun to listen to. Elizabeth keeps the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fandom alive with these podcasts. Thank you, Elizabeth. That's from Victor. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I'm reading these after um, this live was a little bit of... I just I didn't do very well on this live. Oh, thank you for these. I mean, I understand that I'm reading these reviews and these are reviews from last week's and moving forward, not maybe this week's. But, you know, if you do a review after this one, do be kind to me. I promise I'm trying my best. I'll get it sorted for next week. That is what I said last week. But, you know, we keep moving forward. Oh, my gosh. Biblia Feline. We, um, 
I just read out your Reddit question. So let's end with your review. I've been watching Elizabeth's videos since she started and loved them so much. When she started the podcast, I listened to them when I didn't have time to watch the lives. And now I usually watch both because I learned so much more. I love these and can't wait for more of these amazing podcasts. Oh, thank you so much. My gosh, must stop singing also. Sorry about that. Listen, things don't always go to plan. Things aren't always 100% perfect, but, and I'm of course talking about me and my performance on this YouTube live, not Matt Mullins and Warren Drummond and Zachary Burr Abel who were absolutely amazing and steered the ship and kept the show on the road and all the other metaphory things that I can't think of right now. You guys, thank you for being here. Augustine, thank you for furiously texting me solves, which weirdly I could get all my texts, just for some reason Zoom and YouTube would not stream properly. But, you know, we live and learn. We'll figure it out for next week. Thank you guys for being here. I hoped you learned some stuff. Stunts are so integral to a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I feel like Matt, well I know, Matt Mullins is just one of the best. He's so talented. His work ethic is insane. He's so kind and considerate and just a brilliant, a brilliant man and and a true star of his profession and does the profession proud. And same goes for Warren Drummond. He is really passionate about mentoring young artists and is so kind and so lovely and so talented so I'm just really pleased that they were both on there I'm gonna listen back to this too because really (laughs) it's gonna be a surprise to me how this episode was thank you everybody for watching thanks for sticking with the live the numbers stayed really high throughout the whole of it so I'm just I'm so grateful for everybody for sticking around (laughs) on what was maybe a messier episode than usual but hey magic is in the mess thank you guys for being here I'm going to see you next week. And I'm the singing the singing will stop. So um you know just 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 know that. Keep listening, yeah. Okay, love you.